Welcome to Proudly ADHD at work and in business. I am your host, Coach Kathy Rashidian, and I help professionals like you understand the science behind your unique brain so you can unlock that inner genius. Ready to transform your ADHD into your best asset? Keep listening. Welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. We're back with the second installment of our podcast series where we mine for some nuggets, some golden nuggets in research papers. In this episode, we will be looking at the findings from a paper titled Females with ADHD. The paper was written in 2020. Among other things, this paper aimed to provide guidance on how to identify and treat girls and women with ADHD. A few questions include whether ADHD symptoms Deferring girls and adult females compared to boys and adult males? If so, how does that affect rates of diagnosis? If there is a difference, does this change our approach in treating ADHD in girls and adult females? The answer to these questions may radically change the way ADHD is perceived and uncover groups of people who have been left untreated. To briefly explain their methodology, the key results and findings in this paper was from reviewing existing literature on the subject with a group of subject matter experts. They then discussed and came to consensus on the findings. Consensus was made on a broad range of topics, but I only will be focusing on those that stood out to me. For those of you who are interested to dive deeper, I'll be linking the paper in the show notes for you. Let's dive right in. ADHD symptoms in females. First, how do ADHD symptoms differ in girls and women compared to boys and men? Early meta-analysis show that girls may experience a lower severity of hyperactive impulsive symptoms or all ADHD symptoms. However, individual studies show more mixed results. The authors highlight that a reason for the mixed result may be due to inattentive ADHD being more prevalent in females. It was then agreed that inattentive symptoms are less obvious and hence less likely to be detected. However, if this is true, it would also imply that there is a population of males who have remained undetected and untreated. Biases seem to affect the rate of referral as well, as one study showed that even with the presence of similar symptoms, boys were more likely to be referred for clinical help and additional support. A potential reason cited was that behavior expectations being different in boys than girls. Another study indicated that parents may underestimate impairment and severity of hyperactivity symptoms in girls while overestimating them in boys. The implication of this is that girls would be less likely to be referred to clinical and non-clinical support. There was also consensus that inattention in girls and women may present as being easily distracted disorganized, overwhelmed, and lacking in effort or motivation. However, no contrast was made with boys and men. 
if we're talking about my experience, actually, in this case for a second, I want to let you know that I wasn't that girl that was hyperactive when I was little. And I also don't think I was that girl that was inattentive where I was daydreaming too much. I kind of was in between. But for me, as my life went on and, you know, going through schooling and then higher education and work, the symptoms started to really show themselves. So in this next section, we're going to talk about the associated features and vulnerabilities in females. What are the associated features and vulnerabilities? It was found that girls with ADHD tend to experience more bullying than their non-ADHD peers. And just so you know, yours truly was heavily bullied in uh, my junior high years as well. This took the form of physical bullying, social, relational, cyberbullying. On the other hand, boys with ADHD tend to experience more physical bullying. It was found that girls with ADHD may utilize a range of ineffective strategies to resolve these problems. The inability to overcome these problems has been associated with reduced self-esteem, self-efficacy, increased anxiety and depression in young people with ADHD. The question that comes to my mind is whether the presence of bullying is the reason for these negative outcomes or whether it's due to the inability to overcoming them. Another study indicated that during transitional phases, for example, moving from adolescent to adulthood, having hyperactivity ADHD may be associated with higher risk taking behaviors. It was found that young people with ADHD are sexually active earlier, have more sexual partners, and are more frequently treated for sexually transmitted infections. Rates of teenage early and unplanned pregnancy were also elevated in girls and women with ADHD. This implies that females with hyperactivity who remain undetected are the most affected of the two folds, as the biological consequences of risky sexual behavior are much greater. Let's talk about treatment. Should treatment of ADHD differ between male and female? At present, treatment recommendations do not differ by sex and only differ slightly by age. Prescribed medication shows good efficacy for improving ADHD symptoms in both male and female children and adults. However, eating disorders, risk of substance use, pregnancy, and breastfeeding needs to be also taken into consideration when prescribing ADHD medication. For women with ADHD, where depressive mood symptoms are apparent, the authors of this report agreed that it is advisable to treat the ADHD symptoms first and to monitor for improvements. This is because a consistently low mood may be caused by the functional impairments associated with ADHD and treating the so-called root problem may result in improvement of mood. In theory, this is consistent with the practical and behavioral approach in treating depression where a therapist encourages client to put the important elements of their lives together, such as finding a job, building good relationships, and so on. The authors also suggest that regular review is required throughout the client's development and may be especially important at times of major transitions, for example, key periods of hormonal change during pregnancy or menopause. 
And just to inject a little bit here, for me, my ADHD got really bad and my diagnosis came about after having a child in my 40s. Great psychoeducation in parents and carers of teenage girls with a focus on ADHD symptoms and associated problem is required. This is to support detection of deliberate self-harming or risky behaviors. So for those parents out there who have girls with ADHD, please do your due diligence to learn about the, the, the symptoms, the behaviors, and really to be that support system for your child. Where required, topics of risk, particularly sexual risk and substance abuse and self-management should be addressed in adolescence. I cannot emphasize this enough for treatment, especially for support for young adults, for the little ones. I, I think this is, we owe it to them to, it's one thing to get your child diagnosed, but it's another to, as a parent, how are you supporting them through that? And how are you supporting yourself? Because let's not kid ourselves, one of the parents or both may also be going through the, the diagnosis of their own ADHD. So it's really important to get on the program and really get the support, get the education you need to provide that back to your children. What are the educational and occupational considerations that might be made? The author suggested that e-learning approaches on top of regular schooling are likely to be especially helpful for young people with ADHD. They suggest that these digital learning resources could potentially improve psychosocial functioning on top of academic outcomes. For example, with modules on how to manage bullying. However, Additional research is required to determine the efficacy of these methods for improving outcomes in ADHD. It was also suggested that career advice should consider the strengths and weaknesses of female students rather than focusing solely on current performance. However, the authors were vague as to the specific of how this might be done and why this is different from the approach that should be taken with boys with ADHD. Moving on, the authors highlighted that when engaged in the career planning process, incorporating work experience, nonlinear progression towards tertiary education, and opportunities to recite exams or demonstrate potential may be beneficial for those who have struggled to sustain their engagement in formal school settings. The next segment, we talk about occupation, occupational considerations and adjustments. One study that followed females from the age of 8 until 30 found that women with childhood ADHD were more likely than their peers to have no or few qualifications, be in poorly paid employment, live in temporary or social housing, and have low income. The author suggests for women with ADHD commencing employment to be given support in understanding the demands of the organization, their work ro role, personal structure, how to manage interpersonal conflict, and guidance on how to manage their time, plan, and prioritization skills. Personally, this is where things become a little bit complicated. While it is great to have all these supportive structures in place, it can become 
apparent that advocating for mandatory actions may result in even worse consequences for people with ADHD. As businesses may outright decide not to hire people with ADHD if all these additional requirements come along with hiring that person. So for me, this is where I really want to pause for a second and talk about women in the workplace. And there is this notion of keeping up with the neurotypicals or keeping up with the Joneses or keeping up with your peers and colleagues and male colleagues and and all of that stuff. When we're looking at a woman with ADHD, let's talk about a few things that also come into play in this, which are the the hormones that were just discussed, you know, and, and the impact of that monthly over and over to us and, and how we show up and how we function. And if you're a woman who had a child recently and how will that affect your day in a life in the workplace? So all of that for me is, first I like to say is we really need to look inwards to say what is within my control? What are the things that I'm doing to manage my ADHD? And then to look outwards to say, okay, with that in mind, with understanding what's within my control, how can I seek support that is enabling me to do my best work? And sometimes it's to really pay attention to the jobs that we apply that, you know, are suited for us. Sometimes we impulsively say yes to a role because we think it's great and the job description really does match us. But if we don't take a moment to really understand what are the other sides of that job description that may hinder us? It really, you know, long-term, then, then you hear that people leave roles after two to three months or after, after a year because it, it wasn't the right fit. So I think we owe it to ourselves to really first and foremost do the homework on ourselves, do the homework on the company that we're going to work for to, to be able to show up at our best self. And to really take this assessment, this personal inventory of what is going on in my life right now and what are the type of roles that are a fit for me. And and it doesn't mean you're less than, it doesn't mean that, you know, this is the career for the rest of your life. I always now look at careers as a way of, this is what it is for now at this point in my life. This is where I am. This is the kind of career I want to have. And it could change three years from now. It could change five years from now. And being okay with that. So the self-efficacy part, the getting to know um, yourself is really important. And I think the other piece that was mentioned in the report about kind of the, the, the how to manage interpersonal conflict, guidance to time and prioritization. And for me, that's the sweet spot of, of the opportunity to seek a coach a coach who is professionally trained in the field of ADHD because a regular, with all due respect to my peers who are doing executive coaching, the the umbrella executive coaching, there are specific tools and techniques that we use in ADHD coaching that are slightly different. And once you learn those techniques, once you understand how to come about at conflict, for example, in a different way, it, it really does arm you with the right tools to be able to show up as your best self in your career. And that's that, folks. I hope you found this extract helpful as going through this paper definitely gave me a lot of food for thought on the diagnosis of ADHD, especially in, in women. And I, I really believe I think there's a lot more work to be done 
around the treatment, the medication side of women with ADHD and how it impacts our hormones and the menstrual cycles and all of that good stuff and menopause and premenopause. I have clients that are coming to me, you know, that are premenopausal and saying that they just got diagnosed with ADHD and how do they do the rest of their lives and where do they go from here? right? And and it comes with a lot of emotions, especially when you get a late in life diagnosis and especially as, as, as adults, because it really changes your perspective and you, you review your whole life going back to childhood and what ifs come up and the emotions that come up. So I really wanted to just highlight the female side of this because I, I think it's, it's needed to be discussed. And as, as you can see, the fact that they just, did this extensive research on females with ADHD in 2020 says that there is still more work to be done. There's still, I still have a whole lot of questions, especially after childbirth and how that really messed up my, my brain and my functioning, uh, sleep deprivation was horrific. If anything though, one of the messages that I do want to leave with at the end of this is it's please speak up, speak up for yourself, speak up about your experience. As women, I think there is this unspoken rule that thou shall just suffer in silence and just suck it up and do the best you can and raise those kids and go to work and all of that. Everybody else is doing it. So can you, but really honor the fact that if you have been diagnosed with ADHD, you are different it's not the same as a mother who doesn't have an ADHD brain wiring. We are wired differently. We have extreme challenges at times, especially in motherhood, especially with our emotional regulation. I go through that on a daily basis with my little five-year-old. And f for me is, is I keep it as real as possible. I have my struggles with being a parent, even though I have an awesome husband that is really hands-on with my daughter and helps as well. But as a, as a mom, it is a struggle in that department. And that's something that I think I will work on for the rest of my life. And as women who are in the professional settings and their late in life diagnosis or their early diagnosis, know that as you go up the corporate ladder, as you're moving up into that corporate environment, different situations will kind of impact that your ADHD, managing your ADHD, your coping mechanism and, and all the things you're doing, even the masking that some of us do to just get by and, and really survive the nine to five grind, if you will. So be your own advocate, honor it, know that there are truly, I really think when we look at professional development for women with ADHD in your careers, there should be a book and, and I don't know if there is one, I, I don't think, I mean, there, there's ADHD and women books out there, but one around how to thrive as women with ADHD in the corporate life, because it's a whole other ball of wax when you throw ADHD in there and motherhood and trying to do nine to five. And I highly recommend, uh, don't do it alone. I always say this, seek help, seek support, you know, seek a coach that is really ADHD trained and, and can really be a support to you. As always, you can knock on my door for sure. If you head over to my website, readysetchoose.com, you'll see the offerings that I have for coaching in there as well. 
I hope this was uh, beneficial and useful for you. And just to kind of either reminded you of some of the struggles that we go through as women or you learn something new. Anyways, until next time, my friends, keep on shining and keep that chin up. It's another day. Make the most of it or even don't do anything at all and just chill and relax because I'm sure you deserve it. Have a great day, everyone.